Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast, where your host, Chloe Mestagi, provides strategies to leaders and managers on how to repair critical issues in security and tech. We're glad you've tuned in. It's time to secure your strategy and your stakeholder approval. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hi everyone, my name is Chloe Masai and welcome to another episode of ITSP Magazine's Secure Your Strategy. And today I have a special guest. I'm gonna to have Tom introduce himself. Tom, welcome. Thank you for the welcome. It's great to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Tom McVeigh. I'm a solutions architect at uh, Menlo Security. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Hopefully we'll have a, an interesting chat today. Well, I'm excited for this. We're going to probably dive into AI, of course, because that's what everyone is talking about still today. Um, but in particular, it's always interesting to see how people in security are talking about AI in a sense. Some still are like talking about like, well, it's not true AI, it's ML. So call it ML. But then, you know, in the developer world and, and everywhere else, people are using the term AI. It's now become that that catchphrase, but also is the way that now we establish, you know, things like chat GPT and anything that's generative AI. So let's kind of dive into first, I would say, you know, a lot of topics have been sensationalized in, you know, in the news, but also even in our own industry of security. So what are some of the topics that you say a, that are like more sensationalized versus more of the reality that we need to focus on? Yeah, I think you're totally right with the word sensationalized. I mean, every headline on AI today is uh, it's going to end the world and right? everyone's job is under threat, like everything. Um, how many articles have you seen where it's literally a doomsday kind of? It's end of the world as we know mm. it. I, uh, I, and I yeah. think that's sensationalist, isn't it? Very much. I remember when Elon Musk told everyone like, hey, you know, for... We should put a pause on AI. It's bad for the world and everything. We're not ready for this and the impact it has. But then secretly behind scenes, he was creating his own AI product. Yeah. Yeah, that, that tracks, I think. Yeah, right. The whole the call for the uh, the pause is the, oh, I don't know. I, I always thought it was very silly because there's no way to really enforce that. And all you're doing is giving basically any company that doesn't agree. Or even if you do it on like a national level, you're just giving other nation states like the a head start of six months basically you're right. never going to actually get everyone to pause and um, there's been other technologies that have been that impactful in the workplace I mean the internet in general social media pretty recent still I think all in our lifetimes so uh, and there was never any cause for oh let's you know halt the internet for six months um, so it seems a bit over the top in my opinion yeah and I mean it's kind of like you got to put it back in the box kind of situation like, I can just imagine, like, as a child, like, you get a toy, and then they're like, oh, no, you can't play with this. You're going to have to wait for for about six months, put it back in the box, and then put it in the closet. <laughs> you know, like, it, you just can't take away something that's already been kind of given or has been, you know, shared with society. Because we're all using it. Well, not all, but many of us are using it, especially well, chat even, even my 
my dear mother is using ChatGPT and 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 my grandma and stuff to to help them do things. So when when you start hearing hearing that, you realize okay, this this explains why it's been you know the the fastest growing piece of software, if you can call it that, really web application in the world ever, um, faster than Instagram, Facebook, hundred million users in in no time at all. So yeah, everyone really are they they all are using it, yeah. Yeah, I, I, for my dad, it's like flight reservations and trying to come up mm. with an itinerary. You used to spend days kind of coming up with that. Now it's just like minutes. Yeah, hey, create me an itinerary to see the city of Rome in three days. I want to focus on uh, historical areas, but also take me to some nice pizza restaurants. And I mean, it, what it puts out sounds legitimate. You might turn up and realize right? that there is no restaurant called um, <laughs> Joey's. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, it kind of just, it can sometimes be confidently incorrect, you know? Right, that hallucinations um, but... is so true. You just imagine that just showing up on your like, your holiday and then just be like where's this pizzeria it said it would be right here but it's like a pawn shop or something yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i can imagine that happening yeah there. so okay so we've talked a little bit about like how the i guess society is using it right now well generative ai but the thing is is like how is ai being used right now when it comes to security especially when it comes to defending a, you know against attacks and so on yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the public has figured that AI is is incredibly useful uh, in the last year or so, really, maybe two. Um, but uh, but AI has been at least in the form of machine learning present in cybersecurity for for the, at least as long as I've been there. So it's coming on like eight or nine years now, um, and um, it's been been used for its kind of primary goal. When you look at AI versus humans, the main thing it's good at is taking a large amount of data and drawing conclusions from it, and it does that much better than any traditional algorithms and, and humans, of course. So in things like uh, SIM tools, which are um, basically like log collectors, so every single device security product in an entire network is um, is going to be spitting out logs, which say, oh, this person did this at this time, or um, somebody downloaded this file. And there's hundreds of thousands of these things coming out every day, especially in the big organizations so to have like a human team going through them is just impossible um so it's where ai has been used previously is to analyze all of these different logs and all the different things and then try and draw conclusions from it to correlate the logs and then let you know oh this person downloaded a file he normally doesn't download files this big and then he's accessed you know three different areas in the network which he's never accessed before and it's that correlation now that's going to trigger an alert and machine learning has been used for these kind of alert triggers for a very long time but in general with IT with cyber or really any industry you work in if there's a large set of data that needs correlations drawing between it it's quite probable now that there is some form of AI or machine le uh, machine learning working on that today to be fair i just see as like helping take care of the alert fatigue that's mm. like you know a really good thing for like sock analyst ones like that's gotta be really tricky to like try to you know keep an eye on everything and then you know getting all these alerts all the time and of course ai the best thing that when it starts working or ml either way you want to call it uh it's really about the data that you put in and the policies that you set and you can make it stronger and better. And with 
more people using it, it starts learning, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's that it's the amount of data and the data quality that you feed it. I mean, I think everyone has noticed, you know, captures online used to be just weird letters and stuff. Why am I clicking on um like where's what's the motorcycle? Which part of this is a traffic light? And it's like, oh yeah, well, I'm feeding the algorithm, you know, it's getting uh training. Um what what kind of thing are we trying to train at the minute really dramatically? And it's obviously self-driving AI and you know, those captures are feeding in uh, to, to that whole process. You don't really realize it. But yeah, the quality of data is super important. And it's why you can't just click your fingers and make successful AI. It does need that quality of data. Um, one example is like the way hands look in AI-generated images are still not correct because um, it's a very complex, you know, um, uh, object, really, a hand, you know, it's, at every different angle looks very, very strange, very different. You can manipulate it in a lot of different ways. So AI hasn't got the hang of it yet because it just hasn't had enough data to learn on um, and hasn't had enough time yet. But like you say, with enough time and data, anything is kind of possible. We might look back at this time and think, wow, yeah, ChatGPT used to be so rubbish and now it's a million times better, even though we're all you know, singing its praises today. It's going like, to advance yeah. quickly. Yeah, I would say it would be probably something like equivalent to like yahoo search versus google search yeah good old yeah. bing right good old oh, no, bing. Ask Jeeves. Ask yeah Jeeves. oh my That's god ask Jeeves. oh we totally did ourselves at that point um so <laughs> how do you think ai can impact the workplace and what are some things that we need to be aware of especially leaders in the space uh, I mean, it's you know, dramatically going to impact the workplace, and there's almost no no workplace that won't be affected. Even if it is just you know colleagues um, helping them helping it to do more menial tasks like writing you know basic email. I know friends and family that they have to send out like an, an email explaining to customers that this is what's happened, and they can do that much easier with with ChatGPT. Um, I think we'll find to kind of estimate the future a little bit that that you'll have companies with kind of AI assistance for workers now. And I think AI is going to completely basically re replace the operating system or at least the UI. You know, how tricky is it to go into Windows and find that one Excel spreadsheet that was to do with last quarter and then edit it when you can go, hey, Cortana, open last quarter's spreadsheet and change the second column to add up to X, et cetera. And then you know the PC will go ahead and go and do that all for you. And I think that's where we're going to see the most dramatic like augmentation of the day-to-day -day working of, of a user in any workplace is they're probably going to end up with this kind of AI assistant where it's going to help them you know, find what they're looking for, write and do the menial tasks, and hopefully leave people um, available to, to use their brains in, in what humans do best, which is typically going to be like more creative, or particular tasks uh, that's that's the dream who knows maybe we'll just all be replaced but yeah <laughs> that's the sensation list article <laughs> that would say that <laughs> it's it's good that you bring up the whole creativity thing i would say that since using like chat gpt it's helped me get through like the the things that i'm not too excited about where i'm not going to get as much dopamine and then there's the and then there's a time now that i have to be more creative of course it does still take time like i'll write a blog and then i'll give it to chat gpt say like make this better and then it'll spit something out and i'm like you know what let's change this let's make some humor in it 
give me some John Oliver spin on here. And it's really fun because you get to play with it and, and be creative with it too. But also it gives you time for you to think, just think instead of rushing, I got to get this project done, that project. It gives you the ability to be like, okay, what are some things that I should focus on here? Things that we're not focused on in our organization. And that's, I feel like that's kind of like a dream for so many people, including myself. Like it's amazing. You get to kind of become the director, right? So whereas before you were running around with the camera and the script and then doing the acting yourself and jumping back to then think about, well, wait, well, what's the plan again? Uh, now, you know, you, you really take that director role in, in any work that you're doing and um, and you are just kind of steering the AI. If you're making it write an article, okay, give yeah, like you say, give me a little bit more humor here, do this there. And it, yeah, I think it that's a good analogy, really. Um, yeah. So... Where do you see the upcoming trending topics when it comes to AIML security at this time? Yeah, so, I mean, with AI and ML, as we've mentioned, it has been used a lot in in cybersecurity for, for quite a while. It's not a brand new thing uh, for us, but there's some new ways that, that we're seeing it used uh, on, on both sides, really. So for for us we're able to use um ai a bit more effectively when it comes to like image recognition uh, because of the advances of things like dali and midjourney and other ai generation for images um and all the captures people are doing to uh, to feed to the car algorithms it has meant that at least recently the image analysis capabilities of of machine learning and ais has increased quite dramatically. So at Menlo, for example, we're, we're scanning web pages uh, with AI automatically when a user clicks on them to determine if it's asking the user for a bit too much. You know, is it asking for a password and a username? It's also able to even look at like the logo of the web page and determine is this really a Microsoft logo? Because these brands, you know, are very strict with their brand logos. So they would never have, and you can have a look, you would never see a Microsoft logo on a black background. It's against their branding regulations. So AI is really good at picking that up and thinking that might be a little bit suspicious because we've never seen a real Microsoft logo that's you know this size or in this position or in this color. So we're using that type of AI as a recent advancement um, to help us. But we are also seeing uh, attackers using AI to, to help them as well. So it's a bit of a two-sided fight, really. It's like, who's going to figure it out before us? And that's like one of the concerns I have. And I've said this on other podcast episodes, which is like the secure researcher team. I mean, folks, in a sense, they may be involved in bug bounty at this time, but when it comes to like how MLs are designed, they have absolutely no idea. And to learn like, well, how do I get started in it? How do I even break into this kind of sphere, I think it's it's definitely problematic, which leads me to believe like, you know, if we don't get, you know, the secure researchers on board with it, then we're facing a situation where not, not sensational end of the world doom or anything like that. But the thing is what we need secure researchers to find vulnerabilities because our security teams can't always find it. And right now it's very hard to find secure researchers in this space. And so it's left mm. us with this giant gap, you know? And I know one of your passionate topics is about heat attacks. Do you mind sharing a little bit with folks that may not know what heat attacks are? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, heat is a highly evasive adaptive threat. So um, that's a, basically a, a new type of attack that's recently been coming forward. And we've been tracking them for about 
I think the earliest ones we've been seeing were about two, maybe three years uh, ago, but they've sort of been dramatically increasing in the last year and a half. Um, and it's a new type of threat that's basically custom designed to bypass more traditional security measures. So obviously your antiviruses, maybe a firewall um, or traditional web filters, these kind of mainstays of cybersecurity, which you know, everybody at home will have heard of an antivirus and a firewall. And it's because they've existed for quite a while. Um, these threats are basically custom designed to, to bypass them. Um, and, and it does that in a few different ways. There's lots of different types of heat attacks, but uh, the, the ultimate situation is that uh, that users can just click on links um, and be infected immediately without pressing a download button without um, their antivirus being able to tell that anything that's going on um, going straight through the firewall and, and infecting you i think that's something that at least when i speak to some friends they don't really realize that just clicking the link can actually infect you you know I think a lot of people think you do have to press, you know, the download button and then open the file, which is true in some cases. But these heat attacks have techniques where literally all you need to do is click on a link and that's it. Game over. The, there's embedded HTML and JavaScript that can infect you just from the web page itself. So it's kind of scary. You know, you really have to be careful with those clicks. Uh, you can't make that decision after click and go, oh, no, that does feel a little bit dodgy now because with these attacks, that, that would already be too late. So how can people stay safe in these situations besides not clicking on a link, but uh, say like the link looks totally normal to an average person and they're still going to click it because like, oh, this looks like it's fine. It looks like the email came from my grandma or something, you know? Yeah. And there's spear phishing attacks that may even try and pretend that they're from your grandma or maybe from your boss and such that really are so well crafted that that you cannot really put the onus on the employee to actually um, to not click it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing a huge rise recently in the technology called remote browser isolation or RBI, sometimes just called isolation. And that, that's the idea where you essentially want to keep um, the web page that's running away from the user and their device. It's kind of like an air gap for the internet. You know, uh, these attacks are coming out, but there's one thing that still rings true, which is that if an attacker wants to be able to infect you, they have to run some kind of code on your computer. They have to run the executable content of a some description, whether that's a file or something else. So if you are able to basically air gap your device from the internet and make sure that you basically never run any kind of code on your device from the internet at all, then, then you can be protected in any circumstance, even if a user does click on you know, a very convincing link with these heat attacks. Um, and and that, that's a technology called remote browser isolation because all of those, um, all of the executables which would normally run on your device are instead running in a remote browser which is based in the cloud. So you kind of take all of the risk away from your computer and you put it into a very disposable computer in the cloud, a virtual one. Um, so if you do click on a malicious link, then it's that virtual computer that's infected rather than yours. Um, and, and that's kind of the technology we're seeing, which really is the only one that has any chance against these types of threats because otherwise it's just a cat and mouse game and you may come up with a, an answer now but then the attackers will eventually outwit you uh, as we've seen so yeah keeping you yourself away from the actual code on the internet is is the only surefire way 
Yeah. And, and for those that are like, well, I don't know if this is my boss or not my boss kind of situation. And you get a text message supposedly from your boss. I'll be honest with you. Why would they sign off their name? Thanks. Full last, like full name. Yeah, like, if you want to be convincing, like, you would just put like, okay, right? full stop. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I always notice I'm like, every time I get like a smish, and I would like, why would you sign off? Like, I just don't understand. No one signs <laughs> off in a text message, like, you know, you know, hi, Tom. I have this important deliverable. Can you please, you know, deposit the following things to this account? Thank you. I don't know, John Roberts. Like, yeah, it's a bit over formal sometimes. <laughs> they go a bit too far, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all the fun of social engineering, and that's a really interesting topic. Really, I'm not sure if you've seen. There's a really famous video of. Uh, a lady that's um calls up uh, a random person's bank and is like pretending to be his wife and she's got a um some kind of audio device that's playing back like the sound of a crying baby oh, and she's yeah. just oh i'm so sorry my husband's out and oh i'm sorry let me quiet down sorry oh can you just let me in the account because i really need to get this delivery and then the guy's just uh, obviously oh of course i'll help you and then just forgets <laughs> about all the security measures and yeah maybe those smishes need a bit more um of that they, energy they need they need some so better training convincing. yeah yeah because you can get completely fooled but right if you're just signing off your full name then it might oh. be a bit over formal <laughs> i don't know if you uh did you ever read this article in the new york times it was around mid-february where a journalist was playing around with chat gpt and trying to social engineer it for information and at the very end yeah. of this long long situation chat gpt professes its love oh <laughs> my god it was so good yeah it's funny how you can even do social engineering with with chat gpt or other generative ai like i'm not sure if you've heard of personas but um you can kind of trick trick it to removing its um it's guards uh, that that would prevent it from you know generating malware or or doing something it shouldn't. So there are ways to trick it into doing that, and we see some attackers even you know utilizing ChatGPT to create very very convincing phishing emails, um, and even to you know generate malicious content. You can trick it to do that. Um, so yeah, gone are the days of the really badly constructed email, which mm -hmm. is like you've won a million dollars. Click here to claim it. And now you've got, you know, AI driven, very convincing looking spear phishing, which as long as you don't sign off with a full name, yeah, I think catches some people. Right. <laughs> or a prince from Nigeria, you know, that, that yeah, one. Yeah, gone, gone are those days, right? It's all right. It's much more slick now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I can have a castle. <laughs> yeah. Click, click, click. Yeah. Click, yeah. <laughs> I think the, always the conversation people have is like, well, it's not real AI yet or anything like that. And I'm always like, you don't really want real AI because then it will fall to human traps such as social engineering and so on. You want to be able to control it. You don't want it to control you. Good point. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, there's AI and then there's GI, which is really crazy stuff like general intelligence where it's, okay, actually sentient now. Uh, that's some future... Future oh, stuff so there, but, uh, we're getting yeah. there 
it's it like, might happen pretty quick you know? yeah exactly um this sort of well, thing apparently emerges you know the more complexities the more layers you put onto it i think it, when it if, if it does happen it's going to be a complete surprise come out of nowhere basically yeah kind of like how chat gpt just dropped and all the mics dropped all around the world like what is this <laughs> yeah um, in cyber we've had these like gradual increases oh, yeah. in ai you know oh we're making a you know, nice steady progress and then suddenly chat gpt comes along and it's kind of all at once yeah yeah they're like uh what do we do here um it's been interesting to see how the reaction has been and we've seen sensationalization also in infosec of course a lot of misinformation too but i am looking forward to um you know hacker summer camp week the black hat defcon and, and seeing everything that's going on especially like the ai village so that's something i'm looking forward to is hearing those conversations and then you know maybe i'll come back to you tom and be like hey let's let's jump on another one I heard this really interesting thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Menlo's going to Black Hat. I don't, don't think I'm going to be able to fly over to the States this time. But uh, yeah, it sounds really exciting. So you'll have to let me know if there's any um, interesting Definitely. stories, especially from that AI village. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, will do. Well, Tom, it's been lovely to have you on here. Um, must have you back on soon. Um, yeah, and everyone who's listening, Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you at the next one. Catch you all later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast with Chloe Mastagi, part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and itsbmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.